0: I lit a sage when you walked in Cuz I have no idea where you've been
1: What kind of energy you conjuring What kind of
2: spells you be casting Hello, welcome to Cheers and Queers, a boozy podcast about black queer life. I'm Kyria Traber, a writer, happily
0: writing, and... I'm Ishoke Smith, a job seeker, currently seeking a job. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So... As always, please, please follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Cheers, the letter N, Queers. And use the hashtag Cheers and Queers to follow the conversation, to let us know what you're drinking, and of course, to find all the other queers. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We love your reviews. We love
2: hearing what you think of the show, how it fits into your life, um, how you've been waiting your whole
0: life for us to come along. Anything you want to say, really.
2: You can go ahead and (laughs) And put that up there on
0: iTunes. (laughs) It helps other people find us when you leave great ratings. And, you know, always five stars because five-star bitches. That's right, and we are on
2: all the things now we are on Spotify, we are on uh,
0: Radio public, Google Play, Stitcher, all the things. just you Google us. <laughs> going and we it. got a website. so you know, come through. yeah. Should we check in? Yeah, let's check in. Okay. All right, you ready for this? Barely. <laughs> go All right. so LeVar Burton asked this on his podcast and I thought it was a really interesting question and I had to like deeply consider it so then I was like "Mm." I know you got this shit from LeVar Burton (laughs) I was like where have I seen that before (laughs) go on Um, so he was like you know it's first contact right the Vulcans or whomever have landed who are you sending to parlay with them and like represent humanity you need to answer first but
2: don't forget your name your pronoun
0: Okay, so my name is Ishoke, my pronouns are she, her, and ma'am. I am sending black femmes from, like, all over the world, right? So we're like, we got a diaspora of black femmes, and they're going to go, and they're going to talk to the Vulcans. Why? Because black femmes are often socialized to walk into a room, read who's in the room, and then adapt in order to, to make, uh, like, understanding happen, right? And be like, okay, this is what I got to say. I'm trying to hear what you got to say. Let's see how things go moving forward. So that's my answer. All right. You done? <laughs> <laughs> you can just stay <laughs> mad.
2: <laughs> so my name's and My pronouns are she, her, and femme if you're nasty. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing about this question. You got me when you said specifically. Vulcans Mm if you said aliens who are representing the human race broadly I'm like yeah black femmes absolutely Mm -hmm. for all the reasons Mm -hmm. that I don't even have to get into right now you gave a brilliant argument for one of the reasons in the contemporary landscape. We could give a historic argument about who has, who is the holder and keeper of history and oral histories and mm-hmm. where we come from as a people and, and how long black women have been rearing and holding and shaping narratives through um, their own individual lives, through the holding on to memories, through the shaping of young people, et cetera. Et cetera. I'm down with all that. But Vulcans specifically— <laughs> as they are portrayed. Right. In every single Star Trek series, except for the recent ones. True, actually, yeah, they're super like inconsistent and that's problematic. But up until Discovery, <laughs> the way Vulcans are portrayed is Now, don't get me wrong. I love a Vulcan. I have Same. specifically had sex dreams about Leonard Nimoy. I don't know why, but they were great. We can talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also okay with the new, the uh, the movie. What the, who's the actor? Zachary Quinto. Yeah, he, he's cute. He's super fun in real life. He's cute. He could get it. Whatever, it's fine. And I, in my time, I don't know why, not in my real life, but in my like, sometimes movie in your brain life. sex life i'm like i will take an emotionally vacant but uh tuvok high endurance tuvok physically uh proficient no tuvok. that's not even the right word what's beyond <laughs> proficient i don't it's like Su- excellence ex- thank you physically excellent <laughs> i'm not thinking about feelings i'm getting the job done i'm into that
0: yes and then ponfire I'm just. Right. Okay. So that's back it up, back it up. (laughs) Because
2: up to that point, Vulcans are, I would argue, the embodiment of white supremacist intellectual ideals. Huh. They truly represent the separation of mind and body to its utmost degree, from the Christian ideologies that comes from Western Europe in like the 1900s, Vulcans are a distillation of that. They truly, as a species, have separated their mind from their body and therefore have disdain and judgment, Mm -hmm. even though that, you know, mixes into the emotional realm. realm. Exactly. But they do. They have this disdain and judgment for embodied species. Mm. That's why they hate Captain Kirk. (laughs) That's, except for Spock except for Spock because he's half human so he's conflicted and Captain Kirk represents his own uh, you know unid. yeah exactly all of that but as a, pe- as a species and the ones that would be sent down to represent an ambassadorship oh yeah they would be quick to judge a black femme for all the ways that our our culture our memories our, our lived experience is so essential to our physical presence and the way mm-hmm. we take up space in the world it would
0: take them extra long to respect us. So there's what white supremacy thinks it is. Mm-hmm. And then there's what white supremacy actually is mm-hmm. in the ways that it shows up in white people. Um, <laughs> and the way like what white supremacy thinks it is, is this like very intellectual, distant, um, separated embodiment. Yeah. But what it actually is, is often deeply rooted in feelings. Yes. Around. It's a hot ass mess. It says, <laughs> it's around like often around like shame, yes. around um, desire for power, around like lots of other so things. are Vulcans. This is what I I'm just, saying. I love a Vulcan, but. I mean, mm. I think desire for desire for power is not something that I desire for knowledge. Yes, certainly Vulcans. Desire for power? Sure. I don't. I don't really see it. But but that's where you get into the when you get in deep. Okay,
2: welcome to Star Trek talk, <laughs> <laughs> formerly known as Cheers and Chris. Um, so we're gonna wrap this up in just a second. Yeah. 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 But last point <laughs> is that I feel like when you get deep into the Vulcan conflicts, you reveal their hypocrisy. Just Duh. And the, but the hypocrisy is it, it is it is a I think it's a rare moment of actually uh, self. Um, critique of mm-hmm. the white supremacist um, uh, philosophical ideal. Mm. That they actually do crave power. They actually do have deep-seated emotions that they are battling with that cloud their judgment and make them um, prone to psychological violence if not physical violence. Yes. so Definitely psychologically so I don't think, violent people. I think black a black femme will come up and mollywop a Vulcan <laughs> real quick. Because they are going to be fucking full of shit. Rude.
0: Rude. Immediately Rude.
2: <laughs> immediately i don't want to put black fans through that and i i think that not for okay once they've been on the planet for a minute and they like ease into it yeah then we can come on up and be like what you really need to know is i should stop clapping sorry for your ears everyone
0: (laughs) i think for or for what i've and i'm really thinking about all the black femmes i know who work in hr Right and uh, uh, uh. literally, that is a specific species <laughs>
2: that you did not mention to begin. With. I, and it
0: like it literally like when I thought about this question, I immediately was like, "Oh!" Like from my former bosses to like my contemporaries who are working in HR right now and dealing with these nightmare, nightmare, Ew. nightmare people. I don't have the stamina, and I never. And will. they uh-uh. legitimately create magic. Out of trash ass situations, and I'm like, you know, if anybody was gonna make sure the Vulcans didn't just blow up the planet, yes, it's gonna be them.
2: I I don't I don't disagree with you that Black femmes are supreme leaders, um, <laughs> yes, and supreme communicators, and ultimately need to be involved in any kind of global negotiation. I just don't know they should be first contact.
0: Mm. Word, and that's been star trek (laughs) star talk (laughs) and this is because we're
2: not having an episode about discovery which we should be because it's literally airing as we're recording just putting that out there anyways it's fine what are we drinking
0: uh well i'm drinking a really cute non-alcoholic spritzer Cute. Why? It's uh, dry January, hey. so um, I needed to give my body and specifically my liver a break from Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. I went to Mexico. I drank tequila and mezcal legitimately all day, every day Ooh. for many days. Ah. It was amazing. Great. It's like high quality alcohol, but this time. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> I need a. I need a break. That's fabulous. I. I- I think that's fantastic. I'm sure your liver is very happy. I can actually hear it saying, "Thank you." Okay. <laughs> um, I'm having alcohol, <laughs> booze. Uh, you're
0: having a little. What did you say? It's a. It's a mocktail. It's a spritzer. So it's it's, a- um, it's San Pellegrino, uh, the blood orange, um, whatever that like sparkling water is, and I mixed it with uh, just regular like lemon lime. Um, so some one sparkling water has cane sugar in it and one is unsweetened and it just has like bubbles and citrus juice. That yeah. sounds great.
2: And I'm having um, a vodka tonic. Mm-hmm. Um, listener, long time listeners will know I'm not a vodka fan, but we have a guest tonight who does love a vodka. So does my mother. I respect. <laughs> so I'm imbibing and it's actually quite tasty. And we'll yeah. put the recipe for both of these. Yeah. On the episode so
0: this is a honey vodka was- so it's uh gluten-free it's like specially brewed whatever honey whatever vodka. yeah mm. um i had never heard of it either i literally walked into bed shout out to y'all um and was like hey i need a vodka for a person who hates vodka okay. <laughs> i love you and they're like cool we got these two recommendations both of them are honey vodkas one was very expensive and one was not so you got the not one. Excellent. I <laughs> it. it's not bad at all. It's actually quite
2: good. And mixed with the um, Pellegrino that's in here, I'd, I can't even taste that it's any kind of specific liquor. It's just deliciously alcoholic, citrus,
0: honey. Mm. Great. Yes. Excellent. All right. Uh, let's roll on through to the central topic of today. Talk about it. So... This year marks the uh, 400th anniversary of the first African slave being brought to the continental, uh, what is now United States of America, but, you know, the continent of North America. Um, And there are lots of people who are doing lots of things to, like, consider, commemorate, and talk about that, right? So, like, a bunch of celebrities went to Ghana and, like, brought in the new year in the ocean, it was real cute. Watch those videos on Instagram. Um, mm. Mindy Full of Love is uh, at the new school. Is doing what's called 400 Years of Inequality, which is a call to um, organize, discuss, and then um, a call to action really around considering what does 400 years of inequality, specifically the inequality of Black people in America, look like, and what is it that you as a person who lives here right now are doing with that inequality? Do you benefit from it? Mm -hmm. Is it still negatively affecting you? Like, what does that look like? What does it feel like in you, like, as an individual and then in you as a part of a larger community? Mm. Um, Heavy. And so, and I'll put the links to a bunch of different resources um, in the show notes. And, you know, a lot of what I'm seeing has really really robust conversations around um people and education and reparations Mm -hmm. and um showing up in the workplace and you know the ivory tower but I don't see a lot of consideration around the people who often are doing the work in Um, black spaces, and those are black femmes, right? So I'm not seeing, like, here are all the ways that black Mm -hmm. femmes have often had to make a way out of no way because of these 400 years of inequality. Mm -hmm. Here are all the ways that, like, black women made sure that families still functioned, that black femmes created spaces, um, like, houses and the ballroom scene. Like, a thousand different ways Mm -hmm. that black femmes have allowed us have dreamed us into our present Mm. right and continue to dream us into the future and I just don't see those conversations happening and that's really frustrating to me hell yeah uh not just because I'm a black fan but because I'm like did y'all is anybody did you hello (laughs) like do we just are we just ignoring this completely and in in the hopes of this larger conversation that might maybe end up with somebody doing something like mm-hmm. I think there needs to be a, f- a focused understanding of like here's what has happened here are the things that have gone on and here are the people who have done those things
2: mm-hmm.
0: and why they work <laughs> and also here are what people are doing right now yeah
2: absolutely I mean I still think I mean first of all generally speaking if I hear anyone say so slavery I go <laughs> say more about that beep because um, it there is a very particular narrative line that gets followed that is I mean I'm, there's a lot of ways that it's, that it's become cliched that it's um, that we talk about slavery in an excerpted sense that we I mean, for one, it's it's often, not often, almost exclusively, Black history in America is funneled through the pain of Black people, not through our ingenuity. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, I absolutely agree with you that it is also funneled through the specific pain and damage to the Black male, mm-hmm. the destruction of the loss of pride, the demasculinization. Ah. <laughs> I think there's a fundamental reshifting. I would love to see in my children's generation that the beginning conversation, the first sentences, the first breaths uttered after black history are about femmes and yeah. our central role, not just in terms of literal, you know, physical women, but our gods mm-hmm. historically, the way that our religions, um, in in West Africa started with a lot of fem-, fem and goddess worship. Not that there weren't gods as well. There was, you know, right. um, and and how that was stolen and, and stripped from us and how, but there's been ways in which we've retained that. Um, and I'm thinking a lot about God and spirit right now because my, my bestie was just in town who was like uh, getting her PhD in Afro-Diasporic religions. That's a whole mm-hmm. other conversation that we should totally have on the podcast, but yeah, I just think... I think it's, I think it is a disservice to the understanding of the black diaspora that we center it entirely on the concept and an upholding of masculinity. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And that I'm literally arguing it should be the reverse. Yeah. (laughs) Not even that it should be balanced at this point yeah excuse me just gonna be up here be all radical separatist that's how i'm feeling today apparently
0: look misandry (laughs) is a way of life
2: (laughs) you know why i'm thinking that i'm gonna gonna go ahead and put it on blast i can edit it out later my motherfucking father sent me a link Mm -hmm. to a fucking uh sympathetic um what's it called Sympathetic men's rights documentary, and was like, you should watch this and tell me what you think. Stop. I literally gagged. I was like, how fucking dare? What if somebody had sent him a link to a sympathetic Klan documentary? Mm -hmm. How dare you? So I'm just so mad. I'm just so mad at men. All
0: men are trash. I love my father, but he's trash. I'm probably gonna edit this out. I'm just I get mean, out right now. we had a whole <laughs> conversation about my trash ass daddy in the last episode, so it wasn't that bad. <sighs> yeah, well, we edited out some of the shenanigans. Anyways.
2: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just angry. I hate men. It's fun. Come on.
0: Um, <laughs> but no, I think that, and I, I think the the thing that has has struck me so intently about this conversation is this whole idea of, like, we need to link arms and, you know, we, we're we looking for— um, we do this to foreground our fundamental and unconditional equality, right? That's like a direct quote from 400 Years of Inequality, yeah. right? And what I I struggle with is if we're looking for fundamental equality— mm-hmm then we need to keep looking because right now black femmes are not being considered as equals.
2: You know why else I'm mad? I'm sorry.
0: I'm just like, look, girl, tell them why you're mad. mad. I'm
2: so mad at Kevin Hart. I'm so Uh mad at R. Kelly. I'm just so mad at black men right now. I'm so mad. I'm like literally getting hot
0: yeah right now <laughs> yeah and i just so bad. people keep being like why don't you and i'm like no i don't want to talk about nate parker i don't want to talk about kevin hart i don't want to talk. i don't want to i don't want to you know why because literally we have been centering these stories for so and permissing long so much. and excusing the behavior and saying la 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 like and the- and fantasizing,
2: romanticizing, baby boy, and and, and immaturity, Oof. and and
0: emotional unavailability, and just like making it a dump him, sis. Literally, that's my like. People who <laughs> who date men right now, when they come to me and they're like, Meh, and I'm like, you know what I'ma say? <laughs> <laughs> you already know. <laughs> dump him. <laughs> Throw the whole man away.
2: Oh my god. This is the episode <laughs> where we lose every straight listener, every non-nerdy listener. They're like, what It's is fine. This?
0: It's fine. Who the hell are You'll you? You'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. So the moral of the story is uh, men are trash, and I don't fucking care about that goddamn Facebook algorithm that keeps putting me in Facebook jail every time I say that. Um, also, I found a way to circumvent that using emojis. Um, <laughs> I will put that in the show notes too. Great. Um, but it just—I'm—I'm I'm so frustrated with the the way this conversation keeps going, right? Uh, with this sort of faux equality that that keeps getting bandied around and i'm like and then of course when i'm like him yeah what about and they're like oh why and i'm like don't why you gotta me because i swear to everything i will flip this table (laughs) i know we in school and i'm getting this degree but i'm still a black woman from brooklyn and i will fuck your shit up don't try me i'm mad i think that's the episode title
2: (laughs) (laughs) welcome to our show <laughs> safe space <laughs> oh god oh my god All should right. we like get off our uh, <laughs> and introduce our guests maybe yeah yeah okay, let's do okay. that
0: <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show
1: <laughs> yo
0: <laughs> <Weird>. what up <laughs> So we've got uh, a really great guest who... An incredible guest. Who now gets to chuckle at us. Out loud. Because I've been holding it in. I
1: have so much to say about this Vulcan conversation. Yes! Yes! So much! To say, because Romulans... And Khan, and there's a whole oh, lot of conversation. Man. I didn't about even why get into the rhymes. I don't agree with you on Vulcans. Oh,
2: oh And man, I'm, I don't, I don't agree with okay, you. Okay, like, okay. Well, like, let's let's, let's but wait, but wait. I have wait, a name.
1: I'm sorry. Yes,
2: <laughs> yes. yes, that's important. All right.
1: Yo, so.
0: who are you? Who are you? What do tell you us? Do? Your pronouns, yeah, okay. pronouns, and then answer the Vulcan question.
1: Um, so what I go by is uh, <laughs> Angelique Rocher. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Lots of Z's. That girl. And I, I am a professional nerd. I do podcasting and writing. Uh, I work for some people that I'm not going to name, so I don't have to censor myself on this podcast. But Word. If you Google me, uh, my bio's out there. You can figure out who I work for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I'm a freelancer, so. Great. I'm here for this conversation Freelance about wife. Star Trek and Vulcans. Word. So here's my theory, because I just got to get it out. <laughs> Look, man, I hear I'm so you. Ready. <laughs> so ready. So I agree with both of you for different reasons, but Great. I disagree with both of you for different reasons. I'm ready. Go. So. The problem is that you pick the Vulcans
2: first. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So I
1: agree here. First of all, the Vulcans are not going to be the first ones to land on Earth. Because really they are going to get any kind of signal from TV. And they be like, nah, we good. Yeah, that's <laughs> They're literally going to look at the current television signals from this Earth. And unless they get this podcast, <laughs> they're going to be, nah, son, let's go land on Saturn. Like, they're yeah. not. We'll come back not, another
2: 2,000 years. <laughs> coming
1: here first. It is more likely that. People from Earth will land on planet Vulcan before Vulcan comes here. Facts. Word. Two, Vulcans don't care about this place. Vulcans are like, we have made a lovely place here. Mm. We are in pursuit of knowledge. <laughs> That's true. Right. We do not want to inherit your problems. That's true. The bullshit. You we have don't need misused it. your Earth. And why do you treat people this way? Yeah, <laughs> now, part. the Romulans, on the other hand, right. yes, we cannot vouch for. No. The Romulans may be like, Take them all over, kill them. Oh. <laughs> I'm not again. Not sending black women out for that one, right? Also, let's be real. If black women went and they met a Vulcan, the Vulcans would be sprung. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's actually accurate. There would,
1: right. be ponfar, the <laughs> <laughs> would be a lot of Spock in the world. Spontaneous pomfar
2: There
1: would be a lot of Spocks in the world, friends.
0: Oh my. God. Whether you
1: agree with Zoe Soldano or not. <laughs> It would be a whole lot of stitches. I totally agree. Whole lot of stitches. Oh, just
2: half
1: half alien, half human babies running around
2: everywhere. <laughs> just truth. All black. I love all, it. All black <laughs> with pointy ears.
0: Oh my god! Oh,
2: I want one.
1: We <laughs> we would not right. We would not just and it would have little triples as as pets. Oh my oh. god! I'm just saying. That's I've the future a, I want. <laughs> it is. Yes. It's a yes. world full of beautiful black Vulcans Would and Tribbles. Yes. right, <laughs> So the other thing that I have to say is if you're really going to talk about supremacy issues, you really got to go to the fact that the, the greatest supremacy issue in all, in all of Star Trek, and we're not going to get into the Klingons because there's another conversation within socialism and communism <sighs> and the misinterpretation of socialism. And we're just not going to get to Okay. Next time, but if you really want to look at what was the ideal idea of white supremacists, the white supremacists in Star Trek, mm. it was Khan, mm-hmm. and yeah. that was the thing that I loved about Star Trek because when you and and whether you believe cumbersnatch was right or not <laughs> for the reboot, and I love Benjamin <laughs> Cumberbatch to be very honest, I do, but whether you believe, the best part is the way that everyone just fucks up his name yeah, for fun because it's great. Um, Cumberbunch was really appropriate for that role. For the way it, yes. the yes. way it was initially written, it's true. The way it was initially written is that it was playing on the idea of eugenics, which in
2: the United States first. My Beep great great grandfather was a part of that. Go on. Mm-hmm. So
1: Whiteside. so <laughs> if you want to, so if you really want to go into this idea of what would be white supremacy, it's not going to be on first contact, son. It's going to be some shit we sent into space mm-hmm. that came back to bite us on our asses because we was we're like well we can't kill
0: them we'll send them into space because that's a giant garbage dump
2: i i don't disagree with anything you're saying except for now i'm gonna get intellectual nerdy here i think that there's a difference (laughs) between (laughs) shut up
1: i think i don't feel like you're stepping into this i feel like you're just extending this out and you're embracing, which you we're <laughs> trying to avoid at the beginning of the podcast. But what I'm really saying is, I'm here for it. Keep going. Thank you. <laughs>
2: Pushes up her glasses. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> I think there's a difference between um, ethnic cleansing and ethno supremacy—the idea of a singular ethnic race being um, a- authenticated and idealized, and therefore um, sought out to the point of. of of literally stripping the qualities or even a whole beings from existence because they're not meeting that ideal, and the white supremacist ideals of intellectualism, the white supremacist philosophies that are contained within this fictionalized identity of whiteness. Agreed. But I also have to make the point that Khan,
1: one, it was not a racial issue. Mm. So yeah. With Khan, they were genetically manufactured. Didn't no matter what color they were. Right. They were genetically manufactured to be the smartest. The fastest, right. the strongest, yes, and depending on who was writing what which script it was, they were either genetically mm. modified to be act, they weapons, which is wh- who introduced weapons? where did the guns come from right uh, hello so they literally were the personification of a weapon mm-hmm. and if Khan and of himself believed he was the smartest mm-hmm. the smartest, no one was better. More clever, more wise, more deserving. Yes, of, of power. being Of power. That's true. And and that is actually why he was like, "I'm going to kill Kirk because he took what was mine right. from me." Now let's not have this conversation about Kirk. And I all was his like, "Because you, know you know, I was, you know, was about to start." Died. I just no. we can't, no. William Shatner. Ach- <laughs> Also, I agree with you on Leonard Nimoy. I respect. Oh
2: my
0: God. Except Ugh. that,
1: like, one time he sang the Hobbit song, it was not that sexy. Was, that was <laughs> weird. It was not sexy. <laughs>
0: Even me, who loves a Hobbit everything. It's sexy. It's creepy shit. It was shit. weird.
1: It was weird. But you know what he does sing very well? Everything else? Sunny. Sunny? He has a version of Sunny. Can we drop a clip in this later? Let's edit it. Out. Sunny. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that mm-hmm. one. I'm so glad that this... I was mad about us not doing a Star Trek boss podcast episode. <laughs> and, and
1: then...
0: This is, what it is. This is what's happening. <laughs> I'm literally putting that in the show notes. Sadly,
1: sadly, it's a CD that he did with William Shatner. But you can ignore the other side okay. of the CD. Just just listening <sighs> to Fiddler on the Roof singing ass oh my God. Leonard Nimoy. I love it. I mean, but let's let's also be real. Like This is my, my true feelings. Is that um, the entire reboot of the Star Trek franchise mm-hmm. was so that Leonard could finally get his due. So that mm-hmm. Spock, the longest running Star Trek character ever. Yep. I mean if you take out Pike who really didn't run that long. Yeah. Um really didn't run that long. It he
2: deserved it. He deserved to get the girl. It's true. No, I agree with you. I agree. Uh, so I I and I and I concede. You're right about Con and white supremacy. And let me get my words perfect, is that I'm talking about mind-body dualism Mm. forwarded by Descartes, which is a singular philosophy within Mm. the ideology of white supremacy, which is a myth. There it is. That's all done.
1: I don't know if y'all heard that, but she just dropped knowledge. (laughs) And it like it, it physically impacted me in the studio. I don't normally get to sit down next to people who are like, so let me make sure you could go back and cite this. (laughs) Put in the show notes. (laughs) For your grad school class. I was like, (laughs) I haven't thought about Descartes
0: since I was a philosophy minor. Like, what? I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) I haven't thought about Descartes since I was in college. And don't you go looking up when I was in college. (laughs) Just not.
2: That's not polite.
0: Okay, speaking of which, that's actually a good segue. (laughs) So, yes. Sorry. Uh, once upon a time, you weren't a professional nerd.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I was just a, a hobby nerd, right? And you were like a whole person who had a job doing not nerd things, uh, and loans, and rent, and bills, and <laughs> and grown up shit. And then you were like, I know. I'ma not hold on to my stable, lucrative job, and I'm gonna go do some freelance shit. Like, what? How did we? Where did? How do? What? How did we get here? So, how do we do this in three minutes or less?
1: Uh, as I pop my pee. Sorry about that. (laughs) Who's doing the the levels? so, long story short, started off as a drama nerd, really wanted to be an actor, mm. went to school. My mom was like, baby, you too thick. They're going to typecast you. And she was right. Back then, it was not the roles we had right no. now for right. black Mm-mm. women. Mm-mm. I was, I love being thick, but I was a little thicker. Uh, and the world was not ready for us Mm-mm. at that moment. Mm-mm. And uh, so I got to be in journalism. And my mom, I graduated college at 20. Uh, just, I don't know journalism degree went to law school. <laughs> uh, I was like, I don't really want a job yet, so I went to go get a legals masters. Uh, and yes, I added that S on there on purpose. Mm. Legals masters. <laughs> uh, international law, I ended up in DC. Uh, I was working at a gym for a while, still running away from getting a real job, and I ran into a senator, ended up on the hill for four years what? and did justice work which is great, and I ended up working with constituents. And one of the things I realized I was very good at yeah. was when constituents would come in, particularly grassroots constituents, who were not the lobbyists, who were not the folks who like had offices and a bunch of money, and they wanted us to get something done, but they didn't realize how to evidence that other people wanted it done, which prioritizes it, mm-hmm. right? Like the re- The way people do letter-writing campaigns, it really didn't start until change.org like this it was very different the way people uh came in with signatures on the federal level from grassroots organizations mm-hmm. because normally that fight would happen on the district level mm-hmm. or that fight would happen within the state legislature so i started working with them and be like look if you really want us to put this bill through on this incarceration issue i need you to come back to me with letters from the communities in the right districts Mm. so I can back you Mm -hmm. and have a way to help you out. Uh, Eventually, I got full of it on one day when I was like, disenfranchised, black people really need the right to vote. Mm. Well, who asked us? All right, guys, I'm out. I got to go register some black people to vote. (laughs) Um, This is a lot. Uh, In fact, someone said it, and I won't won't say who it was. It was like, what? Don't federally, they lose their right to vote? Okay, guys, I got to. We have the same law to we had a degree and I had to go so I ended up on the I ended up on the yeah I know some people just don't know the constitution Okay. no matter how much schooling you give them great and so I ended up in North Carolina a lot of faith in the government right now working for <laughs> working for Obama and uh, I ended up in campaign politics for a couple of years and ended up working for the Ms. Foundation for Women for four years. And one of the things that I truly loved out of all of that, in the midst of this, I was a performance poet. I danced. Like, there was other stuff. So you I was had a creative life always. Yeah. I was always a writer. I, I wrote for Black Girl Nerds for a while. I wrote for a couple of very small blogging, like, upstart blogging newspapers, in the, in the whether under a pseudonym or under my own. Because mm. really on the Hill, you weren't supposed to write right so sometimes I, I had have an identity under, at all
2: really right
1: <laughs> and sometimes I had to write under a pseudonym I mean I had like six tumblr pages guys <laughs> I was I was that oh girl I did and um th- and I still wrote and I did improv and I was still you know really trying to be an artist uh love to dance and there was a point when I finally got to New York where politics and my improv met. Mm. And so I was I was doing a lot of work and doing a lot of branding and re-band, rebrand for Miz, redoing the websites, which takes a lot of artistic mind, a lot of creativity, mm-hmm. and then executively produced a couple videos and we did mm. our first campaign called My Feminism Is," where it was my first time getting thrown into the fire like, look, this is money, figure it out. And I was like, mm.
0: cool, 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 um,
1: word. <laughs> And it, it was really successful, and I realized that I really loved that. I really mm. love creating good content. Mm. And so a couple months later, my, my my political life and improv life intersected. I ended up being asked to do a political panel before improv show, and I was like, I love this. Long story short, medical... Political medic-
2: panel before an improv show.
1: Yeah, so normally in front of an improv show, people either show up, uh, they'll, they'll throw out an, uh, a topic, or someone will tell the story, and then the players will come up with whatever's on the top of their head played out. So instead of that, we do a political panel. And they use the the political panel to inspire the improv. It's called Electoral Dysfunction. It's dope. That sounds really fun. It's really fun. And cathartic. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Oh man, you yeah, you should just, yeah, there's some things that happen, like orange moles. It's really interesting. Like little animal moles. Um, (laughs) It's amazing seeing improv as people like scurry across as moles talking about political issues.
2: That's great. I love it. Uh,
1: so that all came to a head. I was on tour. I I'd, I'd finally gotten to a point where it was 9 to 5 it was
2: killing me because I really am an artist. So wait, you say 9 to 5. I just want to clarify. It sounds like you were doing a lot of freelancing but more in the political realm with a touch of creative and artistry. But were you... Did you have I was a... full-time.
1: I was the vice president of the Miz Foundation okay. for okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost four years. Got and it. And so that was my 9 to 5. And my 9 to 5 also included partnering people and doing things so we just encompassed so much as a team i see where anything that fell into creative anything that fell into communications anything that fell into politics i see because it's all an art form to me in my head all of it is art right um the way you craft a relationship the way you message to people the way Mm -hmm. you find a way to get them invested in the thing is an art form Mm -hmm. and so um, it was really when I started doing the videos and we did a video called We Won't Go Back, which got several million views, got yeah. tweeted out by Ava. I was like, yeah, this is I, mm. I want to do this. I want to do content. Yeah. And so a couple months later, I was burnt. I was done. Yeah. Um, it was just after the 2016 election. And I went on. What a- happened then? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I slept for a very long time <laughs> afterwards, though. Excellent self-care. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then the year, a year after, I went on a thirty-day tour with an artist named Carolyn Malachi mm-hmm. as her brand engineer, mm. Mm. and I did her photography. We took about four thousand pictures on an all-black woman tour to go entertain the troops oh. in the Middle East. Wow! Um, and it was fantastic. And along the way, I got a I got an email from one of my current employers. And that turned into a sound test. The sound test turned into a job. I was like, hey, look, boss, it's been great. Uh, But uh, I got a show announcing. I look a little weird for your vice president Ooh. to have a show over mm. here. And I feel like there's a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. So I can mm-hmm. consult with you for a little while. Oh, I gotta go. I gots to go. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest, for me as a creative who was really trying to figure out what it meant to walk away, yes. as a person who was, he was re- who was working on a book at the time, mm-hmm. who was working on a scripted piece at the time, who was taking improv classes, like it was very clear to everyone. Uh, but my friends always knew. Like when I, when I left Baton Rouge, Louisiana, my best friend was like, You got five years. Mm. You gotta get out, or you're not gonna be the same person.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, mm. it took me 10. That's fine. Yeah. It's cool. Sometimes it takes people longer. Uh <laughs> but but my best friend really was like, You got five years though. And yeah. I was like, Cool, cool, cool. Cool. Yeah. So, times two. <laughs> times two. Times two. So this is so That was way more than three minutes. I'm sorry. No, no
2: that's excellent. That's great. Anyways. So, long-time listeners will know that um, this is actually the year anniversary of me going freelance, and I There's am dancing. Living happening, my best. There's literally so much dancing. Luck in life. <laughs> so I'm so um, glad to be sitting next to someone who has also taken that same leap. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it to be ninety-nine point nine two five, <laughs> no, nine seven five percent excellent. Yeah. It's excellent. Yeah. Um, I recommend it mm-hmm. highly. I don't know that I'll ever work for a company or in, uh, or organization ever again as a full-time. Yeah. And yet, it's there are challenges. And one of the biggest things I actually want to put together a panel about this or a salon or something is I'm particularly interested in the black woman's experience in real shit like contracting. We like negotiating about rates this. of pay, talking about terms, so on and so forth, how we show up, how we're viewed, and how we are constantly having to advocate for ourselves for people who may not be, on the surface, yes, homie, whatever, but on the deeper level, may not be as invested in our survival as we are, and we're not their employee, so they don't have to care. Also, we're not
1: their employee, so there's certain things we don't have to care about. True, true. Um, And that's that's, that's real, and I think for me one of the things... You know, I walked out and one of the blessings that I have and shout out to one of my dearest friends and who I've done a couple of contracts with since walking out. Heck, before I walked out, Mm. Uh, Carol McDonald, who worked for Planned Parenthood for a while, but also has her own company, Meridian Solutions. Mm -hmm. And one you know, I walked out and I just asked her everything. I was like, what does this business plan look like? What, is, what does this look like? Can you walk me through what you do in proposals? Because I was giving too much. I was, And that, right. is, that is the thing that goes back to the whole, we may not want to send the films first because we always give too much. Facts. We <sighs> always give too much. And, and one of the things I learned, and I was very lucky too. So I had Carol my old boss, I was I was blessed enough that Teresa Younger from the Ms. Foundation brought me on as a consultant for a couple months, which keeps you afloat. Mm. You can stack some cash. Always stack that thirty eight percent if you can yes. in the savings account. Pay Uncle Sam quarterly, get an accountant Oh, wait, you can pay
2: him quarterly? Yeah, girl. you
0: should pay okay. them quarterly. Do it. Wait. So, it won't it, so hurt it's so it's not even it's not
1: even can you pay him quarterly? You should be paying. I'm gonna quarterly. ask my accountant about that. Tomorrow. They make vouchers. Do it. And, then New, and then New York State lets you pay online. Yes, girl, and then facts. Wait, and then New York drama State knowledge. actually keeps a tally really? on an account for you. Federal's not so nice, but New Mm-mm. York State keeps a tally so you can go and see what you've paid this is great. at the end of the year. So we'll talk, we'll talk about that in a yep, second. We will. <laughs> but the other thing that happened, my vice president at Marvel is also a black woman. Mm. So I got I am in a very unique, very blessed situation. And there's, not, there's nothing wrong. I have colleagues who are not black, who are great. I'm very blessed that, you know, my stuff was submitted by someone who is not black. Yep. Uh, I have a great team mm-hmm. uh, everywhere that I am. But also one of my co-hosts, one of the reasons I'm at Sci-Fi recommendation from a black woman right mm. so i yes. got i got real blessed and it goes back to this idea of what i said the art form of relationships mm-hmm. and being a genuine person and, and knowing you know being 100 percent. because i don't think everybody should go for freelance and I say the yeah, reason why everybody should go freelance is because it's overwhelming psychologically, <laughs> physically, <laughs> emotionally. You know, I was just having a conversation with Adam Ellis, who used to be at at BuzzFeed, mm-hmm. uh, who do, does all the really cool Instagram drawings. Mm, um, yeah. And Adam was like, yo, sometimes if you are an artist and you work from 12 to 11, your friends are never going to see you. Because if you don't get that time management down, oh my God, yeah. this is And get up real. in the morning. Why are you telling my life? Well, that's why <laughs> I, have a, I mean, that's why I have a stationary back in my house at this point. Cause I'm mm. like, I gotta get up. Like you, sometimes you just you. It's that's that's the hard part. But you know, I was real. I was really, really, really blessed to have a lot of folks in my corner. Um, and it also like have a small retirement that keeps my stress down. Mm. I mean, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't hit it, but you know, I got a 403B on the side from that nine to five that I had Right. that if I have to break in case of emergency, Right. Yeah. but always pay yourself first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know that you get that. Yeah. yeah. But I think there really does need to be a panel. And I think, I think women in particularly, uh, particularly black women need to sit down and talk about this idea of, Actualizing our worth mm. within our proposals, yes. yes, and putting that in there, and when sometimes when not to, right? Because mm-hmm. there's there's times where you're like, what is the actual value, right? So there's there's certain times where you're like is the brand that I'm working with the value is this going to get me in the door somewhere else do yeah. I take this for x mm-hmm. and do you have the room to do it Right. and how do you shuffle those shuffle those different contracts around Absolutely yeah. um but also this idea of stop feeling like we're taking advantage of someone who's completely By charging, willing to take yes, advantage of us what they already have budgeted yes mm-hmm. and even they're not trying to take advantage man like they've already budgeted for you right mm-hmm. and here's the thing being okay with saying no mm. and walking away because that's the hardest part of being a freelancer it is because we will get in this, the scarcity well you get in this you get in this cycle of taking less than you need mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then you have to work more that's right. and then you don't have time for that other thing that comes along right. but you're not looking for more business because you're scuttering around same. taking less than you need right um that's a
2: that's a vicious cycle
1: it yep. is and then yep. also getting that first freelance check and realizing you got to take that good 38% out. Of it. I know <laughs> and you got to pay for your own health care so <sighs>
2: It's fine. Everything's going to be
0: fine. It's great. 99.975% <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and I no. think the, I, it, the, the, the struggle that I'm having is that I know, like me, me in my house, I can't do full freelance, right? I've done mm. it for the last two years that, that I've been in grad school. My body can't handle it. At the same time, I fully understand that I'm a person who likes doing too much like my partner says this all mm-hmm. the time she's literally like I've never dated anyone who does more than I do because I'd be like li- everybody is it's like true. I don't know what country mm-hmm. are you in right now and I'm like oh I'm in Mexico like what um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know hold on let me check let my me phone. check <laughs> uh,
1: but you bring up a very you bring up a very good point uh, my partner which is very it's very, it's very new Ooh. Wow. Mm-hmm. this might this might be the first time on a podcast i've said my 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 significant other yes um is very understanding Mm -hmm. like extreme also lives in another country Uh, let's be real real well Uh, we'll find out in five months how understanding (laughs) um but you know they have to be under they just that's another thing that goes into it i'll honestly tell you my relationship has been I mean, it was great before that, but it's been exponentially better because I've been exponentially happier. Mm -hmm. And nobody wants a crazy stressed out, all over the miserable. Because I've been that person in relationships more than once where I'm working that job. And I look back at those relationships and I'm like, man, I complained
2: all the time about work. (laughs) Um, Why were you with me? (laughs) Actually, yes. Okay, so this I'm trying to pull together this sort of... Thing that's bubbling up because this this freelance isn't for everyone but why it is so right for me and it's related to this thing you were saying about black femmes giving too much mm. and the way that I position myself in that as an employee versus freelance which also has to do with the length of my career like you know we've talked about before mm-hmm. the show guy got some years on you so we're in a slightly different place right um there's that. But then also I'm like, I feel like there's also this thing about like making time for relationships and yada, yada. I'm just going to wax poetic here and see if I can make it come to a point. I'm ready. Start the clock. OK, so <laughs> here, what, what I'm coming to realize is that um, I mean, I'm a workaholic. And that's been in i mean, you just said I like to do a lot of stuff that's a more that's a less stigmatized way to say it. It mm-hmm. runs in my family though i you know, I like to work, I like to be working. that's been my orientation since I was fourteen and got my first job Sad. I'm sorry, <laughs> excuse me yes. um did you say 14? fourteen that's when yes. you can that's yeah 14?
1: that's when you get a job i mean i power. mean i was I was selling <laughs> like papers and, and no, programs at I basketball games a, I had a job at 14. I was selling world's finest chocolate at 14. Nah. I, was selling, I had a like, paycheck. I had that little like Christmas thing that you brought home when you the, had the, people because the, the you catalog. wanted the prize. <laughs> They get 14. No. I mean, I didn't get... I was babysitting. No. No, I had a real... I worked, it, yo, I had... I was babysitting triplets. It was a real job. That is real. That's, that's real. real. Yeah, it. I worked, mean, not
2: undermine family labor yeah, That's real. That's real. But that's I worked real. at a I mean, hospital. And one of them was in braces. Like, it was, it was real. <laughs> that's a lot. God bless those kids. <laughs> All triplets. Yes. God, please don't ever... Let me. <laughs> <live>. <laughs> oh, so, someday
1: I'll tell you that their parents used to own a llama before they had the kids. Oh, a lot. What? It's Only a very one? interesting <laughs> couple. It's a very interesting couple. Very interesting couple.
2: Sounds like some people I knew. But you were saying something so, very okay, important. Yeah, but this is, jobs. Good, <laughs> this is a good, this is a good, I'll, let me go back to this 14 year old because here's the story. I'm 14 years old. I have my first job and my best friend is like, I got a car now. Let's go away for the weekend. And you know what I said to her? 14 year old. Should have been like, yeah, follow the friends. Do a fun thing. I was like, oh, I need to work. Mm -hmm. And she was like, "Uh, tell your boss you're sick. And I was like, no, I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Since I was 14 years old, and this is not on some like, you know, I can never tell a lie cherry tree shit. This is on some, There was something in my mind about my responsibility towards work, which probably has to do with growing up working class. And, you know. Growing up black. I'm growing up black. Growing up black. And, and I have been in that sh- that shape and that positioning towards work since that age up until my 30s. And so even as I left the state I was born in and moved nearly 27,000 miles across the country to co- come to grad school for theater to be an artist— and then I got out of grad school and I got a job working for the school that I went to and I worked and I, and I put so much into it and it became what I was known for. And that's not my life's work. Yeah. I'm creative just like you. I've been creative all that time too through the work. And, and like I, you know, I went to, to undergrad to get a real job because I was like work focused and I ended up actually being a poet and then it was a professional poet. I worked for a, an arts organization, but still I was working. And so for me, being positioned in um, a, a, a traditional employment structure, um, permitted w- enabled this codependent relationship with working. So this, so your your friend said, "I'll give you five years," um, and you took ten. Made me feel a little bit better about myself because I was like, "I need to get out of here two years before I left," <laughs> and then I did. But the six months before that, I was like, I can't leave. I told all my friends, I, was, mm-hmm. I said, I'm gonna freak out and say I can't leave. Remind me of this. And then I was railing at them, <laughs> shaking them, I can't leave. And they're like, you told me that you were gonna say this and we're gonna see it through. You're gonna leave this job. <laughs> you can do it. And I did. And I literally, it's like my whole, like I shed a skin. I feel like a different person. Yes. And so it's true. It is exhausting. It does take a different temperament. But I already had that temperament and I was positioning it all towards my other boss. And now Mm. I'm my boss. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. so I'm positioning it towards me. It's not all golden roses, though. Mm. What it's forcing me to do is face that the real person who is avoiding these intimate relationships and running away for the weekend has actually never been the work. It's always been me. And so now I have to deal with that. Now I get the opportunity to deal with that. And that's a whole nother situation. I should probably call my therapist back. But (laughs) but I have the space to do that now. So I think, you know, get your coins, grad school girl, get that good job. Mm -hmm. But that's what I was talking
1: about last night, this idea. And last night, a came. To the radical geeks, thank you boo. Anytime, it was super thank fun. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and we were talking about this idea of skills versus talent, yeah. mm-hmm. and this concept of perspective. Yeah. And you know, I've, heard, I've I've had so many women of color. Period. I'm not even going to say just black women; it was women of color because I'm multi ethnic, and I have a lot of friends across the board that are brown mm-hmm. and tan and black just across the board who will say to me. Well, what makes me special? Make, what makes me different? Everybody's got this still. This skill. Yo, skills are things that you learn. It's cool. College teaches you to work for somebody else. So does grad school. Do it, though. Get that paper. Because, you know, we got to have three extra sheets of paper for us to even get, get to in the, damn the high school level Actually. for folks. And that's, that, is, that is facts. That's facts. Like, that is actual We'll put a link to that
0: in the show notes, facts. too. Facts.
1: Yeah. Uh, And so I say all that to say, like, you can have certain skills, but there is this idea of a talent, right? You can read something off a piece of paper very beautifully, mm-hmm. but the talent is what makes you read it differently than mm-hmm. the person before you. What made the producer feel like you're the right person? And that's that talent you bring to it, the thing that's part of your personality, the thing you've mm-hmm. been able to hone, mm-hmm. your ability to listen to somebody when they give you a critique and change it quickly. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but then there's also this idea of perspective, particularly in your line of work. And I think a lot of women of color ignore mm-hmm. the talent and the perspective side mm-hmm. and they bowl themselves down to this nine to five mm-hmm. they bowl themselves yeah. down to the job they define themselves as I can work and I work really hard right. and they never really go but why should I be the one doing this and the answer is already there and I think that's beautiful I also think that's the neat like you just this niche you was talking about like what is the thing that's different dude you just said it yeah that's dope yeah. You just said it, and you are talking about a space that wants to be seen as progressive. You're talking about we're living in a country that <laughs> <Well, where it laughs> wants to be seen <laughs> right. as progressive. Right. Um, Keywords. Mm-hmm. Right. Desire and wants are very different than actions and actualizations. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're living in a country that is being fueled by this idea of socially conscious consumerism.
2: Mm-hmm
1: whether it is a fad or a trend or people really don't understand at the end of the day as socially conscious mm. you're going to be still fair trade. Yeah. Anyway, not the point, Starbucks. So point <laughs> being is uh, just this idea and this culture that you have there, but then just understanding having an escape hatch, man. Like if you want to wake up one day and <laughs> just not do it, that's the best thing in the world. You want to wake up and be like, you know
2: what? Fuck this.
1: I got a laptop. <laughs> I got a phone. I had a credit card. <laughs> Think I'm just
2: going to buy a flight somewhere. Yep. I can work remotely. There's wifi in Paris.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Give me the Wi-Fi.
2: I'm on oh, that James yeah. Baldwin plan. Um, but you mentioned something that I wanted to, we wanted to ask you more about, which is um, this event you had last night. Word. Um, which connects to other things that you run and do, podcasts that you have. Yep. Um... And you specifically hold space for black queer femmes, uh, for lesbians, for women of color. Um, Why is that important to you? And also, can you name what are some of the things that you do? How do we how do we find it? So um,
1: I say this, I am here in my own capacity right now. Uh, But I am very I'm very, very privileged to have three shows right now. Uh, a show called Marvel's Voices over at Marvel, mm. uh, which spec- which for me is looking at people of color, creatives of color, uh, Marvel fans of color, and having them tell their story and their journey as to why they tell the stories the way they do, what it would interest them, how they came up and decided they wanted to be creatives. Um, and it's just beautiful sometimes hearing folks be like, I didn't really know it, but at like six years old, I was pretty destined to be a writer. Mm. And also, I love comic books. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, when you talk to someone like a Saladin Ahmed, or mm. you talk to someone, uh, fingers crossed, uh, hopefully to get her down the chair at some point, Nettie Okorafor mm-hmm. or Eve Ewing, mm-hmm. or a Mariko Tamaki, who is queer and out of Canada uh, and amazing, that's doing X23 and all mm-hmm. these other beautiful mm-hmm. things, or Chris Anka, who's drawing Runaways, um, who is queer uh and Asian American like these these concepts of um, these stories and folks telling our modern mythology, mm. mm-hmm. right? Because our comic books have really turned into that. Yes. We dress as people that we see something in that we want to emulate mm-hmm. and they really are the mo- the modern mythos that we've created of yes. the ideals that we want, yeah. um, which is why it is so important when we see a character that looks like us because we want to believe that we hold those ideals within us, and that we are not the exception. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, right. I also have a show over at Sci-Fi called Geeksplain, mm-hmm. uh, where it literally that's what it is. I take a show. It's I explain it. <laughs> I'm ridiculous. Uh, I have a lot of snark in me, and I'm totally here for it. Because if you're gonna talk for 15 minutes straight, like you gotta, you gotta be a little dumb with it. But also, <laughs> I try to highlight. Um, across the board diverse programs. I try to pull in when it is just like whack. Mm. Like my my look, man, uh, <laughs> black lightning. I was like, for real, you had an afro wig. This is oh, what we doing. Oh. Cool, 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 bad cool, cool, wigs. cool. Let's end cool. bad wigs in
2: 2019. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Slogan, run <running> it for president. <laughs> um, and
2: then I have a I have a show,
1: uh, which basically, Karama Mahorn, the blurred girl, loves to joke that I got her. While she was drinking, I was like, I have an idea. But what she <laughs> but won't say. But that sounds like y'all. But what she won't say is she's like, we should do a thing. And she was like, come see anyone comics. I was like, oh, I have an idea. Like she just like forgets the first part of it. <laughs> and I'm okay with it. Cause I'm just that person that really is like, yo, we should do a comic book bus tour. Like I just throw things out and I'm I'm fine. Right. Uh and we specifically decided that because she's she's got a thing, she does at sci-fi, she's got her own podcast called The Blur Girl. Um, on the on the Blur Girl website, I was like, "Yo, I just want a whole space for folks who may be indie, may not be a comic book artist, but are nerds, or may like in an indirect way help creatives in some way to talk mm-hmm. about how they utilize their platform in a radical way." Whether and, and one of the things that, you know, we were very specific about, we want to make sure we're including LGBTQ, all people of color mm-hmm. uh, and, and make it accessible because we wanted to be able to give them a platform because we had platforms mm. and use that to elevate them and the stories. And also because we just like being ridiculous. <laughs> and the name of this show
2: again is The Radical Geeks. The Radical Geeks.
1: Yeah. We just really love being ridiculous together because uh, yes. it's two Scorpios with mics and that's <gasps> never
2: As never, we're friends.
0: Welcome to your third Scorpio. Hey, boo. Hi. (laughs) Mm.
2: I think most of our guests have had like strong Scorpio on the chart. In the
0: chart,
1: (laughs) because we're ridiculous. We're ridiculous. We just do the thing. (laughs) Uh, And then, and then I take contracts every now and then. I still do branding. I still do communications. Uh, I, I love, I love telling good stories. I really just love telling good stories, man. And I truly believe that. Most artists don't know their own story. And I was having, and I'm not name dropping, I was having this conversation with Tom Hiddleston this weekend. Because um, I was you know, also, it was casual. He's, oh, he's, he's really a great guy. Great. He's really a great guy. <laughs> um, and the funny thing is, that whole thing came about because of the other stuff, right? Like, I also believe as an artist, and you know this as an artist, everything you do is an audition. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the one yes. thing that, that does benefit us as Ooh. women of color about this fear of messing up every now and then is yeah. that. Our 112 percent comes out to be like that 95 percent you really need to get Mm. if you mess up. Yeah. Right. Because you was already shooting for one twenty five. Right. And so I actually I was actually I was like Ace Comic Con came to me uh, and I love them. They're great. They're small. It's mostly women. It's just really fantastic to be that intimate with nerds out there. And so it's also, very sm- it's also very small and you do get a chance to talk to the folks you're interviewing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were having this conversation about this idea of storytelling. Yeah. Mm. And this concept of we're not done until we've told our story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I looked at him, I said, you know what the crazy thing is, though? Sometimes the only person that needs to hear our story is us.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: Because there's so many people walking around who don't know their own story, and I can't tell you how many times people mm. have sat in one of my chairs, and they'd be like, man, I never really thought about it like that. Mm. Because they don't see how other people see, see their the work. Yes, mm. Sometimes they are just like, this is the only thing I know how to do, and if I'm not doing it, I don't know what life is for.
2: Can you say that again? She said sometimes the person who what, Sometimes I-
1: the only person that needs to hear our story is us. Mm.
2: That is so real. Yes, yes. That I mean, mm-hmm. the 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 power of reflection and the what is it? What you're saying about you know tunnel vision. All I all I can do is keep doing this thing. If you stop and look at yourself, you stop and pause. There's so much fear in that pause. I don't know. I I can't articulate it, but I, that resonates so deeply with me. Alanis Morissette said it so wisely. <laughs> she says. Why are we so petrified of silence? Uh, Damn Here, it can it you handle this?
1: Did you think about your bills, your debts, your deadlines? When you think you're gonna die?
0: Oh God! Sorry, guys, I did. <laughs> that
1: that Thanks. CD cha- that CD saved my life. Stop it! No, no that was a good one. That was that a great was, CD. Like, that was a good one. Yeah, but but and, and the true. funny <laughs> thing is, that we is also is have to reflect no on the fact that ooh, at any moment time in our life, we are part of one window in one pathway at one moment in time in someone else's life. Mm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes for folks who have no anchor, that's that's frightening. Mm. And sometimes we're scared that if we look back at our story, just like we can't quantify how much we should be getting paid and the value that we should be charging in contracts, it's the same thing. Mm, yeah. Right, because if we don't see value in our own stories, why would we want Why would you want to read a book that wasn't good, though? Mm. Right. (laughs) I don't. Like, even with the bad parts, you can still admit that a book is good. Like, even if there was a terrible thing that happened in that book. I.e., your love of bad movies.
2: I love bad movies.
1: (laughs) I actually saw a picture where somebody was remaking Romy and Michelle today, and I got so excited.
2: Oh, my God. Y'all,
1: I love bad movies so much. (laughs) It is a
2: problem. Okay, top five bad
1: movies. That's hard. Okay, top five bad movies right now. We just talked uh, about
0: this. Okay, but not on air. Go on. I know, but that's what I'm saying.
1: Uh, I should know. Bring uh, up the ones you want So Romy already... and Michelle. Okay. Romy and Michelle's definitely I have and these are movies that I watch. Over and over. Over and over. Like I you know how you'll flip through TV like during like your parents' house, like during a holiday, and everybody's yeah. trying to find a movie? I will stop and I will fight you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if you, you try it.
1: Romy and Michelle, don't come. Why are you over here?
2: Did I ask you to chase? this? <laughs> tv station okay that's one Three more. uh breaking two electric boogaloo
1: oh god <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep i also own the first one <laughs> at me don't care turbo did his thing um the last dragon
0: mm. i like that movie
1: because <laughs> it's so bad it's we good can fight. we gonna fight about it, it. so bad it's good i ain't Come on. how high
2: how high yeah.
1: how high Oh god, I haven't Method seen Man that a Red long Man. Time. Oh. I, I never seen, seen that, that long time Fugu fuck you. Uh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, Put it on the queue Love it. Love it. Man, this is hard. This is the last what, one. Right? What is yeah, this is the last one. It is a tie between Jupiter ascending and Valeria.
0: Oh. oh god. But remember when he growls Ooh. at her? No. Like, I just <laughs> I like No, I don't, I blocked it out. <laughs> I went on a really, really fun date. Where we just <laughs> shit talked that movie, but both of them, like they're the same. They're the same movie. They're the same yeah. trash. Same movie. movie. I also yeah. own
1: all of the Twilight series <laughs> and oh. all the Divergent series. Don't judge me. I Divergent, got them. Divergent
2: though. All of them. Damn. Divergent. Yeah. Somebody, all did you of see them, the new son. Aquaman? Because that goes Not right in that. You'll love it. Yeah. Yeah. You will yeah. love I'm, it. I am ready for it. It is the same yes and and and
1: notice those who are listening this is not like my love for Mel Brooks I love all Mel Brooks movies but those are brilliant (laughs) and classic and beautifully comedic right they are works of art that spawned Max Brooks who gave us the book World War Z whatever the movie ended up being (sighs) it was fine I thought the movie was great until I realized the book was better right uh, was there actual craft and talent. There was actual craft and talent and that a went story? into it and, <laughs> you know, not someone having a tantrum tantrum on set all the right. time. Well, did you did you hear my geek explain on that one? Whew. I went off. It was uh, hilarious.
2: Wait, I can't oh. wait to listen to all your shows. <laughs> um, so
1: so yeah, no, I so there are there are movies that are ridiculous yeah. that I love because I also love ridiculous like Spaceballs, Blazing Saddles. Yeah. <laughs> All, all of that. Brilliant naked movies. Gun. Oh, all of them. Airplane. Yep. Also, can we talk about how all of those movies, as much as we love them, if you go back and watch them now, they are so, so Hella problematic. problematic. So,
0: so oh, my
2: God. Great so culture
1: all up in there. Top secret. Ugh. Real genius. I top just, gun.
0: All of I'd, them. I said this. It's I tried to go back and watch Love and Actually. Even
2: an Officer and a Gentleman. All of them are bad. Oh. Wait, Love Actually never been good. Everybody was on <gasps> drugs or kidnapped by the devil. I don't know. That was never a good movie.
1: I I, ha- I was not. As as bad never as I love, as bad, I love The wow. Truth About Cats and Dogs. I can't get with that. That one. was a good movie. Truth
2: About Cats and Dogs. Anything good, that had movie. Janine
1: Garofalo in it, I Brilliant. was a fan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Anything>. Even that <laughs>
2: superhero one, she did. what is that? It so yeah, funny. it was very creepy. But it was it was so weird. Weird. I don't think I saw that Also, she
1: was in Half Baked, which made me very oh happy Half Baked Oh, yeah. also on my list of movies that I love <laughs> uh, because anything that involves Rachel True is the truth <laughs> uh,
0: the
2: well
1: craft well done
0: well done thanks there. I mean oh, she is the, the truth
1: the way and the craft um, how do you feel
2: about 90s Pauly Shore Biodome was actually pretty Biodome decent. Was so good. <laughs> Red Dead <Dime>, by <laughs> If you can dance, if you want to, you can. Eat. Like I like a good musical interlude in the movie too. I haven't seen Biodome in like a straight fifteen years. I should probably revisit. I love that movie <laughs> oh so God. much. And Man. It's exactly this is what I'm saying. Encino Man. So here's the thing. I, I, as a child, I was actually quite um, a snob. My mother raised me that way. I, you know, I don't know what to say. Bougie knows bougie. It's fine, babe. Yeah. So, but my best friend was not. She loved all of the dumb movies. All. All the idiot things, and I lived in this town where my mother would drop me off at my friend's house, who lived forty-five minutes away, and be like, "I'll see you in two days because I'm not driving back here." <laughs> <laughs> so literally, that was my childhood. Don't call, don't write. Literally, you know what time She's I'm coming. like. Maybe if your arm's broken, you can call me, <laughs> <laughs> but go to the hospital first, and they'll hold you till I get there. Exactly. So I was at my friend's house for the weekend, and she'd be like, "I got biodome and nothing else. Play, repeat." And you have to, like, rewind it to the... So it was love it or ritual suicide. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you
1: just made me think of another really bad movie Tell that me. I used to love what? that I don't love anymore. This oh, actually no. made it off the list. Cool World. Oh.
2: I've never seen that one. It was like Roger Rabbit no. meets Yeah, it was trying to be um Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which I love, but like adult version. No, cool World was great. It was it was cool too World sexy was, for me. Cool World As was in a I loved little, it. Like if you go <laughs> back <laughs> like
1: if you go back and watch it now though, like it's, it's real hard to see That's
2: Brad. It's Brad in that one. No, uh, the other guy. Uh, The one who everybody thinks is Val Kilmer. Is it Val Kilmer? It's Val Val Kilmer. No, it is.
1: I think. I think Val Kilmer is in. No. Really? It's, no, Brad. it's Brad. It's Brad. Pitt. Oh, it's the lips. Shit. That's why that's oh, why I know I have it's seen the lips movie. It's the lips. It is it and was That's sexy. how you remember cuz val Kilmer sexy. has little thin lips <laughs> and Brad Pitt um, and Brad, has, Brad Pitt has
2: Brad Pitts has the crisp pine
1: lips. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh god. Help. <laughs> wait, I love that this is the episode where we're like all men are trash and we're secretly want to fuck some <laughs> white men. What? What? <laughs> but this was
0: I like distinctly remember watching Cool World and being like this is strange. I loved it. It was so twisted for my little brain. I yeah, I was like it. young me, yeah. I I remember knowing that, that I out. had to sneak it. Like knowing that my my family would not have approved if they caught me watching it yeah. and like turning it down really low. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And, like, absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah. i also love i also
1: love meter man strictly business strictly business although a bad movie still yeah. loved it <laughs> um did not love all the cast uh well. but
2: uh, well mm-hmm. mm.
0: all right uh, we are on a
2: beautiful tangent <laughs> but i feel that we should come to, all right uh, here's our here's our
0: our our wrapping yeah our wrapping yep. thing So we were talking about like black femmes and the space that we often don't hold for them and the effort that, you know, the three people sitting at this table um, and also like sort of our larger community are, are committing ourselves to create. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think something that Carrie and I talked about um, last year when Black Panther came out was black femmes in the movie. Um, something like I know we talked about last night was like the, you know, just the stunt, like finding like s- the women who were going to be the Dormelage. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and the, the length that they had to go to, 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 to create that environment in that movie. Um, and how important it was to, to see it. Right. How important it was to feel like, Ooh, if I was taller and more flexible, I could totally be <laughs> a Dormelage. But like, I think that's something that I've been thinking about, especially in light of this four hundred years of inequality conversation is we're we are in a post Black Panther world, right? Mm-hmm. We're in a world where Black Panther is like the best movie that's ever happened in the history of everything. <laughs> and where to oversell it. <laughs> but actually. Okay, cool. Um compared to like a lot of other things that we've seen, I'm I'm gonna with its flaws, and you know I have critiques. <gasps> uh it's it's just, it's a marvel. <laughs> it's a marvel in on. and of itself. Yes. Ha ha, no pun intended, but. Um But what does it mean to, to have seen Black Panther and to have seen especially the way that black femmes show up in that movie for creative properties moving forward, right? I think something that I'm mm-hmm. constantly thinking about is you know, the looking at the Amazon's in Wonder Woman, and then looking at the dermalage. right, mm-hmm. and looking at, um, and then also looking at who's on the Runaways, who's on, um, and also who's on the Gifted, and who's like all of these like yeah. properties, and I'm like, where are the Black women? Mm. Angel Parker's on the Runaways. You will not ignore. No, 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 no. Angel no. Parker. I'm not. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, you know I love The Runaways. Okay. I have strong feelings. I also love me some <laughs> Angel Parker. That's all I that
1: was. She's a baddie. Oh, girl. Like, in real to, life, she's a We don't have to do this baddie. because I'll just swoon. She's, and, just, and her voice. Oh, God. Oh, her voice. But what you're saying is, <laughs> what, what at this moment, what does this mean? Yeah. And I think the thing is, it's just, there's two things that I have been thinking about, particularly in this. So, you guys know Glass is coming out, M. not Shyamalan mm-hmm. backed it himself. Right. Like he put, he put that 20 down right. himself. Huh. And I use this as an example because this is something that when you look at the director of black Panther, when you look at Hannah and Ruth, when you look at, we are not all on first name basis. They don't know me. Ryan don't know me, but I mean, I just feel like we just Sign don't make this sound real good. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have shake, I have shook in the men's hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things I think, it's not just the visual aspects mm-hmm. that are, are important. It is the root of the visual aspects that are important. Mm-hmm. It is the Ryans and the Avas. It is the Debbie Allens. Mm-hmm. It is um, the Shonda Rhimes who are sitting there going, this does not work mm-hmm. unless we do this. And, and one of the interesting stories, uh, when you look at uh, George R.R. R. Martin, And you look at this Night Flyers that just came out. Mm. Now, what people don't know is that from the beginning, the main character in Night Flyers was supposed to be a black woman. From the beginning, it was written and the description of that character was supposed to be black. And they whitewashed her on a cover. Mm. And then they whitewashed her in a movie. Mm. And then for the first time, although they let the dude who has something to do with the movie back to have something to do with the show and I have feelings it was finally cast correctly. Mm. Mm. And Martin made it very clear, that although he has an exclusivity contract with HBO, and I'm saying this from white dude, like we ain't even talking about Kugler. Right. We're talking about there has to be that accountability on mm. our side as creatives. Right. And our side to go, look, man, we've interviewed enough dudes. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like I need, I need you to find me. Do I have to fly somewhere? Do I have to make this effort and that 's something we were talking about, particularly with the stunt women, is that mm. they started training more people to be able to do it. They started bringing people in because it 's not enough to say because then we 're just we 're just as bad as the white boys who say well we couldn 't find anybody right, right. well you couldn 't that 's not true right. you didn 't look hard enough right and so I think at the end of the day it really boils down to. Being that person that brings somebody in the room, but also, and was it Regina King who just said, I'm hiring 50% women? Mm. Didn't she just have a birthday? Doesn't she look like a.
0: who? 47
1: looks so no. good on her. Yep, help, help. <laughs> Lord. Black dog crap. Um Ooh. I'm gonna see. 10 year challenge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we have to commit to that, and we have to commit. Like they did on Grey's Anatomy to hire a trans man, we have to commit like they did on Sense Eight to hire a trans woman. Mm-hmm. There has to be a conversation um, in all of this of how do we continue to put creatives in the space, mm-hmm. and how do we empower creatives to hold their to hold their authority. Mm. Because I think that's interesting, particularly uh, with shows like The Runaways, because they have an extremely have Kirk Moore in the writer's room uh, who is hen- who is helping with production. You you have writers who uh, are Latino and Hispanic background that are writing for Allegra Acosta. Mm-hmm. Like that that authenticity that comes from saying we don't just want to tell the story, we want to tell a like, good story because it has happened time and time and time again that people don't understand that if you put good storytellers who have the lived experience in that place they will tell a A good story story. shocker you let ryan kugler loose he will tell a good story And, and 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 i think And we kind of talked about this uh, on
2: the podcast
1: last night. I think there's also a gray area where not all of us
0: should make it to the promised land.
2: Ooh, what? What's that? What final hour hot takes? Not
0: all of us should make it to the
2: promised land.
0: Uh, You are currently winning on the promised land journey. Um, Last I checked is a 50 50 poll between pizza with pineapple versus pizza with not pineapple. (laughs) Uh, i'm so lost what is happening there's a it's whole other comedy yeah you should go watch
1: the radical you should go listen to a radical to right. geeks
2: episode with april rain it comes Link out in a week that. uh great. but this will come out in three months when i have time to edit
1: oh great no, cool, cool, it'll cool. come out <laughs> next month <laughs> cool 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 then then the episode should be out uh right. but yeah i think i think we also and i, I believe this when i was in politics uh, i think just because we look alike doesn't mean we have the
2: same values.
0: Right. So, Or, like my Mima said, all your folk ain't, ain't your, your kinfolk. kinfolk. And by
2: your Mima, you mean Zorna Hurston. <laughs> <laughs> Shout outs to the great.
0: Ah, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: oh, sorry. That was that was me getting <laughs> real excited, though. <laughs> but that's it's great. true, though.
2: That's a perfect segue to a toast. I toast to the groom, to the groom, to the groom, to the groom, to the bride, to the bride a toast yes and i have it i'm ready you ready yeah so the toast is um so i told you i was hanging out with my witchy best friend who is uh studying afro religions at emory college and also um really is pro-witch and pro-magic and she says she turns to me on my couch she goes everybody has magic powers what's yours not kidding at all i was like what and she's like no no no. like some people are diviners they see things coming in the future some people are um you know they can, they can make shields and and she goes i'm a manifester and i was like oh what uh, she's like oh, yeah i make things happen and i and i like i'm just lucky and she's like no you're not lucky you're a manifester it means that everything that you say that you put forward comes to you comes true you manifest that so I'm going to go ahead and grant that everyone at this table is a manifester. I just have that vibe. I feel that. Um, and so I want to ask you in your toes to say what you are manifesting right now in your life. It could be for 2019. could be for this month. could be for the next five. I don't know. Tell me what you're manifesting. Who wants to go first?
0: Mm. I think, and I, I'm, the only reason I have this off the top of my head is because I've been looking at my, like, 18-month tarot, all the astrological projections, because yep. I'm like, mm, yeah, this is a time of flux. And all my astro stuff is like, yes, this is a time of shifting. And I'm like, <laughs> mother fuck.
2: Nope, gotta embrace it. Um, you hate when
0: it's right. You're like, I love, you love it when it says something good. You hate when it's right. Yep. Damn. Uh, but no, I I think the thing that I am manifesting right now is... Um, creative clarity, mm. right, so my word for twenty nineteen is focus, but getting very, very clear about the things that I can create and that I enjoy creating mm. and doing that excellent great love it
1: I want to get this book out the door yes, yes.
2: it's already done Ta-da. <laughs> this book out the door. Do you want to say anything about it or leave it there?
1: Uh, it's a speculative fiction novel mm. uh, that comes from a perspective of a queer uh, woman of color. Yes. Uh, yes. Almost all the characters are uh, unspoken people of color. Ooh. Um, this In some of the descriptions, one is Native American. Like, there's there's yep. descriptions. Uh, but it deals with a more authentic telling of what would happen uh, if we come to an um, an event that is a, a world-changing event. Mm. Ah, ah. Uh, because people try to... I think people, we perform our characters perform for the reader. Mm. They don't exist within a story for the reader, mm. Mm. and so you don't necessarily get a lot of times like she used a bow and arrow, and then she sacrificed herself <laughs> for her sister. <laughs> no, it's a performance, right? Yeah. 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 Um, even the flaws are performance. Mm. But you never be like, yo, they just picked up five bags of weed and a gun and they know what the hell they was doing, but they was going to figure it out.
2: Oh, that sounds good. (laughs) <laughs> is that, i mean
1: because that's what we like as millennials like
2: what well, we about to do seamless don't
0: worry no more son yeah <laughs> this is why ain't nobody delivering your chinese son
1: ain't nobody delivering your chinese son you go son.
2: This is specifically new york crisis yes it is. <laughs> go
0: listen to the end of the world podcast because a they are going to tell you how to get your urban go bag ready all right and b get this book Get this book when it come out and put it in your go bag. <laughs> how did you cope?
1: I was I was reading the book the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Literally though. That's some tricks. How I'm <laughs> <gonna survive>. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. There's no greater compliment than you. Yes. <laughs> yes.
2: Excellent. Saving lives. Yes. As all <laughs> black literature does. Um nice. I am manifesting seduction. Ooh. Okay yeah literally and figuratively i have been i've been on this spiritual self-awareness path around my desire and yada yada and i keep externalizing it and thinking about the desire out there and it's like no it is time for me to seduce everybody and i mean that sounds like some scorpio ass it is i am fully embracing her (laughs) 2019, Scorpio all the way. I've been way too in my Capricorn. And I don't just mean like my lovers. I mean, I'm going to seduce my collaborators. You about to be seduced. It's okay. Look, I'm ready. Good. You better be ready. (laughs) I'm going to seduce my, my, the people who I'm getting contracts from. I'm going to seduce them into paying me an extra 10 grand. Thank you very much. I'm going to seduce my own creative work into coming out onto the page, coming out onto the page before me. Yeah, I said it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be seducing everybody and everything all day, every day. You're going to just see me in the street and be like, here comes sex. That's when I'm manifesting. I'm ready. I mean, praise him. (laughs) (laughs) I, for one. And her. And
0: ready.
1: Great. Excellent. I'm here for this. So cheers, y'all cheers, cheers. <laughs> she said I am you gonna seduce yourself you going watch yourself oh. you gonna wake up one day what happened to her she just seduced herself into a coma
2: <laughs> that's possible
0: <laughs> oh my god alright y'all This has been a show. (laughs) show. Uh, If you want to talk about the show or talk to us about the show or talk to other people about the show, please use the hashtag cheersandqueers and pod in on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Please follow us on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell your friends about this podcast. Talk to cuties about this podcast. Tell us what you're drinking, if you've got cute mocktail um, little recipes let us know um, because we like when y'all talk to us on the internet
2: yeah, give us a drink of
0: recommendation
2: and we will put it on the show yes uh, rate us on iTunes leave your comments and let other people know about the show we want to get it out we want people to be in this conversation together we want like minds to find one another we know that if you're sitting in your room laughing to yourself there is someone else out there who wants to join you in this so rate so they can find it
0: and the music in this episode was provided by B. Studwell, Boomscat, and Abel Shafra. You can find B at bstudwell.com. You can find Boomscat at www.boomscat.com, and you can find Abel in the streets of Brooklyn.
2: Yeah, somewhere in Brooklyn. I mean, shout out to Boomscat. I was actually on tour. Yeah, wow. amazing. There, so no, I was actually on tour with the drummer. Great. Yeah, Asha. Yeah, yeah. Asha. Yeah, word. You, you know what? I, <laughs> I love you guys. You <laughs> <laughs> and, we love you. and we are the members of the Gifted me? Sound Network, who we also love. Um, shout out to our uh, uh, excellent engineer, Lance, our, our editor, Giselle. And this is produced by Ishoke love. and myself. Um, that's it, y'all. Bye. I can handle it if you go there, baby, with me can you handle it just
0: like all that you feel.
2: we gon' set it off
0: we gon' tear it up baby can you handle it